Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Fisher in for Choppy for Crosstalk. It's KT Skin and Ben Rogers on 105.3 The Fan. Good morning, boys. Hump day? (laughs) Hump day. Or as they say in uh, Philadelphia, Hey, KT! <laughs> huh, huh, day. Yeah, how was that? Uh, what in the world was that? Philly radio appearance. Those are my guys. Those you guys, are my guys. You guys know the history of this? No. So they truly do love KT. Oh, they love him, man. They, they love can't, him. You can't hate it because it's got to be fun for you. I mean, I would. Oh, yeah. who wouldn't want to yeah, go on the show like respect. that? Kate, it's only probably doesn't have that many years left either. And I'm Kate, sure he makes hey, good so, money. Hey, hey, hey. And KT Philly. is KT is killing it on that show. He's yeah. doing a fantastic yeah. job. Hi, KT. Hold on, Angelo. <laughs> Angelo. Hi, KT. He's a giant sweaty dill pickle. <laughs> but the reason that this ended up happening is Ben and I had him on the show, and he begged for mercy, and we just cut him off and kicked him off the show halfway through the segment. It was terrible. It was like we couldn't even speak on our own show. Like you sometimes. Yeah. You I don't want to interrupt you. Sometimes you have somebody on the air and you have to look in at, you know, whoever's working the board and go, dude, you got to pot them down. Why yeah. are you allowing them to talk over us on our show? And we couldn't even speak. Yeah, we can't do crosstalk with them like we do every city. We can't do it because his bit is I'm just going to talk over and yell at Dallas for the for the Philly fans to love him more. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, garbage. He's straight garbage, dude. He's he is. terrible. The whole station stand. is garbage. It's him. It's his listeners. Participation trophy. Participation trophy. This is, uh, I don't know if you have it in there, but we have this really great drop from their station where a guy goes, how dare them insult our ethnicity. That's us. Wait, that was with you guys? Yeah. That was the caller, Darren. We were doing yes. crosstalk, oh and we were, t- we were like, you're a big meatball. You sound like a meatball. And he turned it in like insulting his dead grandmother, who's right. Italian. Okay. Today, he started attacking midgets, which you can't do. Yeah. Can't I'm, do that. Can't say the word. Angelo, say that. I'm quoting him. No. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but, but in you're fairness. You're not listening to what I'm saying. But in fairness, <laughs> KT has rocked out the platform. I mean, and he is their, he's their prodigal son in a lot of ways. See, this is the whole thing, what you do. This is this is a very simple thing. It's uh, You've seen the thing where you get close to your enemies, right? Yes. Get close to your enemies. So I'm finding secrets. Guys, I know Doug Peterson's game plan this week. Oh. Yeah. It's oh. good. What's well, coming up on the Go show? Go for it on fourth it's, down. It's to win, I believe. Yeah, Doug we, uh, thinks he's going to win. Yeah. Uh, KT slept with the enemy, and we'll find out uh, how that went for him. Uh, We'll get into that at 11 (laughs) o'clock. Man, we've got a war hero joining us in studio today. This is a tremendous honor. Uh, John Wayne Walding is joining us. He's been on the show before. Uh, This guy is named after John Wayne and born on the 4th of July. Wow. Former uh, Green Beret or or Green Beret. I'm not sure. I never know when it's former or not former. Uh, He is a complete stud. 12 years in the U.S. Army. Seven in the prestigious Third Special Forces Group. Um, he's been to both Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan. During the Battle of Shock Valley, he lost his right leg to sniper fire. This is the guy who got shot in the shin, and so he and every he kept dragging his body, and every time his foot that was barely hanging on by a thread hit a rock, he said it felt like he got shot all over again. Oh. Meanwhile, still taking on heavy fire from the enemy. 
So he took his belt off. He folded his leg up backwards, tied it off with his belt, continued to fight for two or three more hours. Uh, He's a true hero. And there's a lot of military charities. I'm not naming names, but there's some military charities out there that if you talk to people that are actually in the military, they're like, man, that's not a good one. I don't trust where everything goes with that one or that one. And so they just wanted somebody who knows um, to step up and, and make a difference, and that's what he's doing. So he's got a new water called Live to Give. Half the proceeds of each bottle of water you purchase, and you can buy it on Amazon, go to military charities that they've personally vetted and feel comfortable with. So he's going to come talk to us about that and a lot more. Awesome. Kev, we got to thank you for a topic you gave us today. Uh, what I do? Uh, well, maybe it was Kavanaugh, but you were in the video. 105throughthefan.com. <laughs> Kavanaugh. Where, Kavanaugh, Dak going rouge. Rouge. Yeah. Dak going rogue. Can you explain the concept? Well, I think that's a good color of lipstick for him. A good shade <laughs> for him. Um, is that Troy or Angelo? That's Angelo. Angelo. <laughs> he loves KT's humor. So this was Jeff's idea because when Jeff and I are, are about to do a video every Tuesday, we recorded around 140. Uh, we look at each other because uh, we really don't speak much. We look at each other and go, what are you going to do today? All right, cool. Uh, so he, he went with it, and uh, I agree about with about 75% of what he said. There's a part of me that says, I don't think Dak needs to fully go rogue. But if Dak's seen things on the field, it, it should be time that he has a little freedom to, to make a move. Not to the extent that Romo had in whatever year, was it 2013 or 2012, when Romo started doing that. I don't think he's at that level ready to go that. I mean, Dak still has trouble sometimes reading man and zone coverage. I mean, so he's not there yet. But, you know, if he sees things, he can he should be able to do his own thing and and not be questioned about it. And and, and maybe like he's give just, us an example. Uh I mean, I think the toss play is the is the best example, right? The third, third and eleven. Um But doesn't but, he have a run doesn't he get a run pass option? I mean, it, it can be little things like this though. To me, the two point conversion play, if you're not feeling it. And you know the pressure's coming, and you you like you knew, you got a couple timeouts. Take a timeout, especially since we've already mismanaged the timeouts at that point. Yeah. There's no sense in not using it there. Yeah. yeah. So but, I mean, I, 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 guess, I think it's Dak can have more on his plate. But, but I guess my uh, question is on the third and eleven, did he have a run pass option? And if he decided know. to carry through with the toss, because they tell us he gets a run pass option. I don't know if it's for every play. Yeah. And if he carries through with the toss for four yards, punt. Is that Dak's fault for not picking the pass? No, because that if you and this is Greg Williams one hundred and one, if it's third and six, he's sending everybody. So Dak is sitting there going, "I'm not picking." This is the same reason that when teams have third and eighteen and they're inside their own territory, everyone yells when they throw a screen pass. The reason they do it is because the likelihood is probably the same that you're going to have something catastrophic catastrophic happen then you're going to pick up 18 yards. So as Dak looks at the line, and Greg Williams is actually on the field as well, ready to rush him, he ain't picking up 11 yards, boys. So he's going, you know, the best chance we have is if I quickly get this ball to Zeke and he breaks a tackle. Otherwise, you know, I'm probably going to take a sack, be further back, I might fumble, throw a pick. He's he's That is a safe play. It's not what people want. But, dude, you're not picking up third and 11 on Greg Williams unless someone misses an assignment. The hammer was a perfect storm for the Cowboys. Uh, Greg Williams. Um, The hammer. That's right. They were a perfect storm with a team without their two tackles, a team that blitzes a lot. You know who else is kind of a perfect storm? It's a team that's having trouble getting pressure on the quarterback, but Jim Schwartz. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to blitz their ass off if Tyron and Lyle don't play. And, by the way, you were talking about Romo and and what Romo did back in the day. It was – 
11, 12, 2013, it was Garrett, right? And then they just, they had to, it just wasn't working anymore. And they basically, Jerry was frustrated with Garrett. He was too conservative. Romo was frustrated with Garrett, too conservative. They started going through all these changes. Well, early, I guess it was the next season where Callahan is, and he's only here for one season, right? He was here for two, but he became offensive coordinator for one, if I remember correctly. Callahan, at some point, four or five games in that season, that's when Romo went rogue. Romo's like, good God, this sucks. And it went straight playground style. Just, hey, your play call is duly advised. But that was deep into his career. Yeah. You, know, that's you ready what, to give Dak that responsibility? That's 2014, yes. right? 2013, 2014. And, uh, it, yeah, I, I think experience matters in the NFL. Dak's nowhere near being to the point where he can do that and just go rogue. Nowhere I, near. I think he's a hell of a lot closer to it. And I think this is the point of the article that KT wrote this offseason. And that was the point where, like, I mean, dude, there was a lot of conversation on this station about Russell Wilson being trash. And the whole point is that you don't judge a guy in the first two years. But what I would argue about y'all's conversation, which was badass, is when Romo, quote-unquote, went rogue, he was not more qualified than Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan had been in the league way longer and had seen way more, but Romo at that point was qualified to do it. And at this point, I would argue that after 48 regular season starts and three playoff starts, Dak has seen a lot. Now, is he going to be always on point? And I don't think he should just quote-unquote, all right, I'm ignoring everything you guys are doing and I'm just going to do my stuff. But he's at, he's at a point in his career. Ben brought this up. He was upset with the way the game plan had gone in the Rams playoff game. Ben had a source tell him that. Well, he's at the point now, dude, you're in a playoff game. We've given you the ball for three straight years. That is longer than most NFL careers. So is he going to be more qualified in three years? Yeah, duh. All these guys are. But he is to a point in his career where it's time to really take the reins of that because he's not a kid anymore. He's sitting here asking for top dollar. Then he should be, with his experience and everything that he's been through, he's ready to do that sort of stuff. But it's a ludicrous conversation. Drew Brees doesn't even do that in New Orleans. Right. Guys need their coaches. Right. The idea that, you know, we're we're talking about the wrong thing here. All right, so it's a given that you have crap coaching. Here's what you got to do, Dak. Just to turn your head, yeah. turn your the mic off in your helmet and go rogue. Hey, ask it's like, what the hell are we talking about here? If the coaching is bad, replace the coaching. By the way, ask New Orleans people about how Drew Brees and Sean Payton used to butt heads all the time about the stuff that he would do out there on the field. That's not what Sean Payton wanted to do. They'll tell you. Just let Kellen have the offense back, please. Kellen <laughs> does have the offense. Did he ever had it? Have it? So it's it's Garrett's, who has it? What Kellen? But it's Garrett's scheme. That's what I'm saying. But do, people think Garrett's calling plays. Garrett's not calling plays. No, he's not. He Kellen doesn't is, speak during games. I refuse Kellen is, to believe that Kellen, Kellen is run calling. The ball. Kellen is calling plays. He's also there's, and that's the whole point too. There's a run pass option on damn near every play. So yeah. is Dak the guy we're saying go rogue? He's the one who's running into that. Kellen the one who's calling plays. He's the one who's calling the run. Play. I mean, it's like he's not calling the plays, but Jason before a drive is likely to say like Belichick. Hey, let, let's throw a little here. Let's run a little here. Let's well, attack. You ran this the ball eighty percent of the time in the red zone. That's a fireable offense. Just that. Just those numbers. Do you think Jason, you don't run the ball eighty percent of the time in the red zone? What are you doing? Do you think Jason Garrett's calling the plays? I think he's got a lot to do with the offense. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't think Kellen's calling plays, but I think Kellen is doing what he's told. All right, let's let the boys take over. Good stuff coming up. Ben and Skin, enjoy the rest of your day. We're back tomorrow morning. Ben and Skin next on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome, everybody. It's the world-famous Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. I'm Ben Rogers, joined by Jeff Skin, Wade, Jonathan Shippey, Shipman, and Kevin K.T. Turner. All hands on deck in studio today for the presentation Tomorrow, we'll be at Pluckers and Grapevine. We'd love for you to stop by and hang with us. We'll be having a good time out there. Bring your whole office. Come have lunch with us. That would be that would be fantastic. What was not fantastic was to find out some bad news yesterday about Tyrone Crawford uh, going on the IR, season-ending hip surgery. This is bad news for the Cowboys. He is a vastly underrated piece of this defense. He's very successful when he's when he does play. He has the ability to go inside, outside. He is a very valuable piece to all of this and a tremendous human being. This absolutely sucks, but uh, he was trying to fight through it, trying to fight through the pain, trying to figure out a way to, to make it happen. But unfortunately, a weak spot on the Cowboys defense just got a lot weaker. So, Ben, I, uh, I agree that it sucks in general. But quite frankly, he hadn't been able to give you much this year as it is. So in the context of the way this season has already gone, it's not that much of a loss. In the grand scheme of things, it's a huge loss because as we were going into training camp and we looked at what the defensive line was going to have, I think we all felt really good about it, and Tyrone Crawford was a big part of that. He's good, really good playing inside. You can obviously move him around. Um but he hadn't been able to give you anything. Yeah. And that that hip injury that is going back all the way to last year, man, I don't, it's very possible that Tyrone Crawford has played your last game as a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably accurate. Wasn't he still leading the team in splash plays after, like, you know, he played week one, week two, came back five, six. But I think in week three or four, he was still leading their team in he splash plays. At, at the time, I think he was like, I think that was after two weeks. Yeah. Because uh, he had like, I think two and a half was the number. Um, now he's 12th on the team in splash plays. Mm-hmm. He's missed a lot of time. Um, but, you know, the writing was on the wall uh, for sure on Sunday, just watching him. I mean, you saw he was hurt when he watched him run. You could see it. Mm-hmm. There's a time he was running off the field, and I was like, he's not right. But I just go back to week three or four, and I think it was Mickey on our show, was like, I you know, no one's told me anything, but I just worry about surgery. You know, he's, he kind of threw it out there, you mm-hmm. know, a month ago. And so, yeah, crap. Yeah, I'm taking that injury a little more seriously. So, it sucks. Um, other guys got to step up. Tristan Hill's going to get playing time now. Uh-oh. And that's, uh, we say uh-oh. I, I feel uh-oh when I say that, but I uh, also, hey, go go show us what you got, dude. You know? let's Get hydrated. Let's go. Let's go, <laughs> let's go play. I mean, I think uh, you draft a guy in the second round, you expect him to contribute. Well, it's his time, so we can, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, and if, if it's not good enough, then we're going to be frustrated by it, but what we saw yesterday, I think, is we saw some teams, really a team in the same position as the Cowboys and the and the um, Rams, go make a trade. Mm-hmm. And the Rams went and got Jalen Ramsey because there were other people who were in the market to get Jalen Ramsey. The Eagles wanted Jalen Ramsey really badly, and the Rams stepped up and got it done. So the Cowboys may have to do that at defensive tackle, uh, if that's the way you view it. We got 15 days, I guess 16 days till the trade deadline. Yeah, 15 days till the trade deadline. But... If you really want to want to bolster uh, uh, your roster in a 
conference that is winnable. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why the Rams did that. They right. said, we're 3-3, three and three, but we can beat all these teams. And that was based on the fact that Aqib Tlaib went to the IR. To the IR. They, and then, ga- they gave up a lot for him. Two first-round picks is a lot, and that's in back-to-back years. Yeah. Whoa. And then they traded Marcus Peters earlier in the day to the Ravens for a, a fifth-round pick and also a linebacker, Kenny Young, because Clay Matthews is hurt. So they're okay. trying to have, they're they're filling holes on the fly. Right. They got a center back as well as their center Notaboom is out for the year now. Mm-hmm. So they've 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 they got hurt some season ending injuries or long term injuries, and they started filling in holes. So what does this what does this tell you about the Cowboys? Let's look at the, the those two situations. The Rams are currently third in their division, and they are three and three, yeah. and they are giving up assets and making power moves to win it all this year. And I would argue. That if the Cowboys, whatever's happened in the last six weeks, should not have changed how the Cowboys felt going into this season. They, they, if they looked at themselves as Super Bowl contenders, they should still look at themselves as Super Bowl contenders. And by aggressively addressing their biggest issues, it puts them back into the mix. That's what the Rams are doing. Uh, I would think Philly was trying to do that in the exact same boat the Cowboys are in. Didn't work out for them. If that deal is to be had for a defensive tackle that can that can at least greatly improve your fortunes in that regard, I think they got to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything that was about just this year. If you're getting a piece that is about the future, like if you can go get a young defensive tackle who's a just freakish stud, okay, maybe. Uh, but what are you giving up? This team is about to be so top-heavy payroll-wise, you need your draft picks. You desperately need your draft picks to come in and play and play meaningful roles almost immediately as rookies and second-year players and have do some heavy lifting because you're going to be paying so many guys at the top of your payroll. I think it just depends on what that deal looks like. Like You guys, would you have given up two first-rounders for a no. stud defensive tackle? No. No. It's not a premium position. Well, there's there, I, is Aaron Donald? I would give up. Oh, yeah, you're right. I would give up two first-round picks for Aaron Donald. There's a couple players, but yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's that's not even comparable. Yeah. Like, we're talking about a defensive tackle, and we're probably talking about one like a Sue or somebody that's on the last year of their deal. Gerald McCoy. Right. That's, Geno that, Atkins. That's kind of what we're talking about. Geno Atkins is interesting, but, man, he's owed a lot he's got of money. money. I'm kind of out on Geno looking at his contract. Right. And he's 31 years old, I believe he there's, is. There's a guy from Atlanta who's an okay player. Tyler Davidson's his name, and I'm, I don't think they'll get in the mix on him, but he's a guy. What would you give up for a guy? I'm like a fifth. Yeah, I would give up. I would give up a second round pick for Sue personally, because I think it would cause. I mean, just based on what you have now, I think the ripple effect would be massive. You know, I think let's see if a second round pick for Sue to me, I I think that just seems too pricey. Considering again, you have to look at the bigger overall picture. It's not about just this year, yeah. right? You got you got you got some issues coming up with you. You need to be very savvy with the way you manage your payroll. It'd be tempting. I, I, he obviously can still play, and it's what they need. But I don't know that he just puts them over the top. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it will come down to how you feel about the health of some of these guys. Like I, I'm looking forward to talking to Doctor Chow today. Doctor Chow is like the sports. He's like the NFL doctor. He's like the NFL guy to. You know, he used to, what was he, that he was the uh, doctor for the Chargers? Yep. I call him the guy that profits off sports injuries. Okay. He is going Dr. to Chow. join us at 1 o'clock to talk about Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, even Tyrone Crawford. But if Amari Cooper is going to be hampered all season, if Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are going to be hampered, 
I don't know that there's anything that would make me go all in on this season. And health, any at any point, health's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. But, man, if you're going to be dealing with your tackles out for significant stretches of the season or if Mari Cooper is going to miss significant time, this thing's over. Yeah, I think it's going to be very hard to do what you want to do. And you can, you, I mean, there's a lot of people who already think it's over based on the difficulty of the Cowboys schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're sitting here at three and three after the soft part of your schedule. Mm-hmm. But I would also argue that based on what I think this team is and what it can do, they've way underperformed. I think they can perform at a much higher level. I thought this was a team that was capable of getting to the Super Bowl. And on paper, I still believe that. And, you know, there are so many, we are so micro in our approach to looking at football. So micro. We yeah. look at every game, and it's it determines how we feel about everything. That's not what football is. And when you stand back and look at the whole season, you go, oh, well, I felt that way three weeks ago. Boy, do I feel way differently now. What's made this season different than I think the the last two years of three and three starts is that is this, the way the schedule was, you know, really really easy mm-hmm. in the in the front first three games. I think that's makes you change. And that's part of football, too. Who you play on the schedule absolutely matters. And it's why I think the Eagles feel like if they beat the Cowboys, then they are burying them because the Eagles' schedule is a piece of cake at the end, mm-hmm. uh, just like ours was at the beginning. And our schedule is the most difficult from here on out. Now, that being said, the Eagles got the Patriots coming up. They got tough one with the Bears. Who knows what they are? You know, right. they got a lot of that happening, but... I, I I admire the Rams for the balls to go on in, all in because Goff is making the third highest at quarterback. Gurley's making the second highest at running back. Donald's the highest paid DT, mm-hmm. and two first rounders. It's it's a heavy price to pay, but and they will sign Jalen Ramsey. I would imagine they will get that done eventually. If not now, after next year, probably depends on him. But I'm sure they're working on an extension right now. To have the best corner or one of the best corners in the league and the best defensive tackle in the league. With Wade Phillips, I feel like I can do some stuff. So, I mean, I, I think that trade makes the Rams a lot more dangerous because if they can sure up the defense, I think the offense will come around at some point. It's interesting that their offense has stalled so much. Yeah, That McVay was the boy genius, and, and now people have figured it out. Or is, or is golf coming back down to earth? It's yeah, scary. And that's, got- that's why when I look at this season, too, it looked like, okay, Kellen Moore was the new boy wonder, and the offense was unstoppable in three weeks, and it's like, it's a game of adjustments, and maybe it took the the league a, a year to make that adjustment with McVay. Maybe it only took three weeks to make that adjustment with the Cowboys. But you know, it's if it, it it just makes this week huge. You know, it like tips the scales one way or the other. You know, could it, could the Cowboys if they could beat the Eagles, it would almost be like, okay, man, this was a nightmare stretch, but look at this, what an impressive win. They've restored things. They're back on track. You know, this is a massive game for the Cowboys. If they get destroyed by the Eagles, man, I, I'm probably going to join that camp of this thing's over. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. You go, you lose the home game to the Eagles, and you're at three and four. Then you good. get a bye week and play the Giants. Okay, then you're going to be four and four. <laughs> I'm going to feel know. like this thing's over for two weeks, and then <laughs> and then immediately when they beat the Giants, I'm like, yes. Well, look, we all universally, collectively, media fans, everybody said the season was over when they were three and five and had lost to the Titans. And if you tuned in sports radio that week, the question was, will the Cowboy did the Cowboys trade a top ten pick to the Titans? That's what was on Sports Talk Radio. Then they ended up playing the Rams in the divisional round in the playoffs. Yeah, but it's a much different story what? this year because the schedule is a lot tougher. I get all that, but you realize if you go back and look, 
those games against New Orleans and Philadelphia seemed unwinnable when you looked at them on the schedule and they won both of those bad boys. It just concerns me that one of the things, I mean, a couple of the things that I thought was going to be a real strength for the Cowboys, their linebacking core has been bipolar or underwhelming. Um, And I really thought they were going to get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, adding Quinn to your already war daddy and you, you can't get pressure. That's, that's confusing to me. Like it's perplexing and I don't understand why that's happening. And if that can't be turned around, look, we can talk all day about the issues with the offense. It just tends to be what we focus on more than other things, but really the defense is, is the problem. Yeah. This defense was supposed to be a top 10 defense. They were supposed to be, you know, to impose their will. They were going to get more turnovers because the pass rush was going to be. And Robert Quinn's been exactly what you could have wanted, what you ever could have hoped he could be. So, and they're still not getting to the quarterback. They're not. And that's why I think Sue would make such a huge difference. You would have two guys that would take on double teams. I like this text. Autoflex Leasing Fan Text. 877-881-1053. Please tell me how you guys honestly think the Dallas Cowboys will beat the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. Pass. We want your honest opinion. Pass the ball down uh, the field. I mean, I, I, did you watch a lick of the Eagles yeah. that, so far this year? Pass they the don't have any offensive playmakers nope. besides Carson Wentz. Ertz is a good player. You know, they have good players, but they don't have explosive playmakers. They need Deshaun Jackson in their offense to have a vertical threat. And he's still And hurt. defensively, they can't cover anyone. And they're praying to God that they get their corners back. And they're praying to God that they get Nigel Bradham back. I mean, they're praying to God they get Tim Jernigan back, and they're not getting pressure. They are a very beatable team. There's Bro. a reason they are 3-3, three and three, just like there's a reason we are 3-3. Three and three. And it might be that neither of these teams are as great as everyone thought they were going right. to be. That's probably it. But the Eagles are just as beatable as the Cowboys are. Eagles got beat by 18 last week. And they, got, and they didn't have an answer. Now, keep in mind that that's more than most spreads for a Dolphins game. So yeah. that is an absolute thrashing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, you guys know who the one uh, Falcons win is this year, right? The Eagles. The Eagles. Falcons are the, and one of the, the worst teams in football. And do you know how they won that game? On Late in the game, on third and long, the Eagles dialed up. I believe it was cover zero. And Matt Ryan panicked and hummed that ball out to Jones, and Jones broke a tackle and ran like 60-something yards with it. Yeah, I agree with you. The NFL, it's not about one game, but it is about trends, and this is a crap trend for the Cowboys. For sure. Three straight weeks, and I think there's I think there's a lot of concerning elements to that. All right, coming up next, we'll get into some current concerning aspects of the officiating, the refereeing of the NFL. We'll do that next, NFL officiating drama it's the Ben and Skin Show. It's 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for rolling with us today. Of course, there's a Jason Garrett presser right around the corner. I'm sure he'll be answering a lot of questions about his future because that's the way it works. Do not miss a second of that. KT went on with uh, the whip this morning in Philly and Cataldi. We'll play some of that audio at 11. And I'm really looking forward to Dean Blandino at noon, the former head of NFL officiating that now works for Fox. Uh, noted friend of the show after Ben wrote a very moving song about him and then he honeydeed us and now we like him. But this is good timing to have him on after all the controversy of the officiating. Jerry Jones has commented on this and there's a really telling article in The Athletic with some amazing quotes about the state of NFL officiating and actually out there 
on the interwebs and on Twitters, there's conspiracy theories that are formulating about NFL officiating. And pretty great. And I want to read this tweet that came out a minute ago from Ian Rappaport before we even get into it. This Ian is the, Rappaport's a douche. So the, the league's having their fall meetings, uh, and that's probably topic number one or two, I would imagine. One's probably the, the collective bargaining agreement. Topic two's got to be officiating. They're all, they're all up there meeting and talking about this stuff. Uh, Lions president Rod Wood... <laughs> Tells Ian Rappaport he has discussed the calls with a variety of people at the league, and he thinks they're going to make it work and going to make sure that officiating doesn't continue to be a problem going forward. What does that mean? Does it continue to be a problem? Say that again. Submitting it's a problem. Yeah, but wait, we're going to make it work. Sorry that we failed. We're going to make it work. That's so generic. Can you Uh, say that again, please? Rod Wood, the president of the Lions. He would. Says he's discussed all the Monday night calls with a variety of people at the league meetings. He appreciates it. He says, we're going to continue to work with it to make sure officiating isn't a problem going forward. Hopefully it'll improve as the season goes on. This is what I think happened at the league meeting. It's, I, I, and we'll see. The stats can show it. I think told the refs, look, we know we got problems. We got to fix it on the fly, though. Keep the flag in your pants. I mean, I really believe that. I believe we'll see flags cut down a little bit. See, I... I uh, there definitely needs to be fewer flags, but it it, it can't just be that because, uh, you know, if there's a play where a guy gets mugged and there's no flag, it's just as bad as, you know what I mean? It's like the NFC Championship game. Okay, no flag thrown. We're keeping flags down, but that was a mugging. I think you need better referees. I think you need full-time officials. I'm looking forward to talking to Dean Blandino about this. Again, it's a $15 billion business. The referees determine so much about the product, and there's no full-time Officials. Yeah. I mean, what are these guys doing for their other jobs? Most of them are lawyers and accountants. Yeah, some of them are. Yeah, I think they're very high educated jobs. Um, Because I think the counter argument would be would okay. What does the official do during the week that makes them a better official? I mean, if anything you do, if you do it full time, you're going to be better than if you just dabble in it. No, I get that. In my opinion. No, I get that. But you work for four hours on Sunday, then what? Well, I think you got to work a lot heading into it. I think you could spend all day looking at tape, talking about philosophies, looking at teams, how they do things, and really diving into what you do as opposed to, hey, man, I'm here to wing it. I you know, I was selling tires all week. Now I'm here. What are we doing? According mm-hmm. to website online, um, refs make about $200,000 a year. So, I mean, you can live off that if yeah. you need to. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's a great article in The Athletic. His name is Bob Kravitz is the author. And he interviews. That, 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 I, I've been told that uh, different numbers than that. Is that by true? The way. Okay. I've been told that's inaccurate. What you're saying there is inaccurate based on what I've been told. Okay, I will. I'll so blame you know. this on cron.com. Yep. C h r o n dot com and the integrity of cron. I think it's cron. Uh, maybe it's cron. <laughs> it said it was. It was 170. The article says one. It was 173k in 2013. And it was, it's moved up to 205K in 2019. But that's, you know, crazy. Well, dude, Dean, we'll have Dean at noon. Dean yeah, will know the answer Dean. to this. Uh, Mark Baltz. Uh, I, got, I got this. Uh, there's around 125 refs. They get paid between 5000 to 12000 per game based on years of experience. They also get a bonus if they qualify for the playoffs of 25000 So you've got some that make twelve per game, some that make five per game. So the guys that make five per game are making ninety thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Well, so there's, okay, so if there's, let's say ten k. Oh, let's say five k. So it's five k a game. Okay, let's say. Yeah. If so, on the low end, the guys that are new to this are picking up ninety grand a year, and then the guys that are 
you know, yeah. crew chief guys and all that sort of stuff. Sure. They're probably making 160. Yeah, you know, you're talking about $172,000 a year. Mark Baltz was a referee from 1989 to 2013, and he did an article going scorched earth on the league. He said they move guys up the ladder so quickly, and they think they're good officials, but then you look at what happened in the NFC Championship game where one official on the play was in just his fifth year. S. I was in this league 25 years, and I didn't get my chance at a championship game until I'd been in the league for 12 years. This guy ends up in the title game, and he's got to make a call, and he freezes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, experience matters. Uh, and, you know, I will say this. I think that one call in that championship game, huge, can't happen, understand? But think that one call caused so much freak out. The ref's been, refereeing's been bad since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. It's a hard job. Like, calls will be missed. It's all about so much focus on one call and one official that I don't think that's what the whole like. Not every official is going to miss that call. Most officials would have gotten that call. But it was the worst time. Yeah, worst time. You you play all season long to get to that point, and the game is determined by that call. Yeah. So it basically makes the okay. The whole season was worthless to that point because this guy froze and blew the call. Is there a way that we can get this right? I think I think they're what they're trying to do is is smart, trying to figure out a way to get it right to where one bl- bad call doesn't blow the whole season. And if it just means we take a little bit of time to make sure it's right, it would work in principle. But they've screwed it all up. Okay, guys, think about this. Think about catches on the sidelines. What do you see? You see two officials conferring. Yes. Okay. So when we go back to that New Orleans play, it's all being dumped on one guy. There were other guys on the field. Oh, it's the whole crew. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So my point is, is is one of the things that is an issue in all sports. I mean, you really see it in baseball. But one of the things that's an issue in all sports with officiating is ego. Yeah. And so one of the reasons that refs don't want instant replay is because, well, I was wrong, and now you're wrong in front of everybody, and it's ego. So sometimes refs won't call something because that's another guy's call even though they saw it. yeah, And that's one way to try to at least move towards rectifying all this is all those guys need to throw their ego out of the way. If you had a better angle than the other guy and you saw it, you have to make the call. Those guys have to get together, confer. I mean, dude, you see, I've seen that in NBA. I've seen a ref make a call and another ref come over and, and override him, even though he probably shouldn't have. He didn't have the better angle on it. I yeah. mean, it's but it's hard. It's human nature. It's hard to throw that ego out of the way. Former official Baltz says this in The Athletic. Look, you've got the technology. You might as well use it. But I don't like it at all for the pass interference type calls. Anytime you're getting involved in judgment plays and what is and isn't pass interference, that's a problem, especially when the players think it's one thing, the coaches think it's another, and the officials have been told it's something else. Um, I, I got to say, I kind of agree, man. I, I just I, To me... You either review all of it or you review none of it. Uh, this the whole review son of it, and then uh, this whole challenge thing that happened was so. It was the coaches got what they wanted. I guess the coaches ended up winning the vote, but not everyone was on board with that. And now you're seeing ramifications, and the league's like <laughs> they're not on the same page because the league's like, yeah, we're not we're not overturning these calls. Would you guys it's be very o- strange? Would you guys be okay if there was not a call on the field and then the team's under center and then suddenly the game stops and someone from another place came in and said stopping. came in and said, Hey, you guys missed this blatant call. Nobody saw it, but it was a penalty, so we're overriding you from New York. Uh, that's tough because I think there's I think here's what I actually feel. I think there's things that happen on plays that could be called on every play. 
But if it doesn't have any impact in the play, I don't really see a purpose in calling it, mm -hmm. point in calling it. So, in other words, okay, so there's a there's a, a slight hold on the backside of the play that had no impact on the outcome of the play. Right. I don't I don't need that to be called. Right. But if there's a penalty that happened that influenced the game, I want it to be called, and I don't care if it stops the game down to get it right. I think that's where I am too. I mean, because I, what I think is is what's happening in these, you know, booths these off-site review areas is I think they're going, oh, my God, look at that. And then just the game moves on. It's like, what's the goal? Is the goal to get every call right? That's that's not really the goal of the league. That should that's, be. That's the goal of it like, shouldn't be. that's a that's this sort of like mythical idea of what people say they want. Yeah. That would be a four-hour game. Because the quality of the product is way more important the goal is the quality than getting of the product. every call right. Absolutely. And then so the second that you do that, then you are saying things are going to happen arbitrarily. It, the second that that's your stated goal, that you know justice becomes a very loose moving target. Well, so it's not that; it's about the quality of the product. Think about the six consecutive penalties in the Cowboy game. It became a ref show, right? Unreal. It became a clown show. Even if they were all penalties, it was crap. It ruined the quality of the game. Sure did. So how do you how do you fix that? I mean, if they're all penalties that m impact the game and influence the game you, you have to call them let right them play you just let them play like think about this when you're watching a game i mean because this is not this the, the nfl is concerned about fans mm -hmm. and now the fans aren't gonna leave all right they're not gonna leave yet it might no. be 10 years before they leave right they never leave but the people are worked up about it no it's it's a, it's it's a lot of fans who are mad about watching this stuff when you're watching a game what do you get more worked up at if a play happens and it looks like they held Michael Gallup, and they don't call it, or when you get called for something, a hold. Connor Williams gets a hold, and it didn't look like a hold. I'm more worked up about it when they throw a flag and penalize my team than, well, they didn't see it and didn't call it. I'll just move on. I think the single most frustrating call again for the Cowboys against the Jets was a touchdown came off the board because of a flag that was thrown that shouldn't have been a flag. Yes, That's right. the single most frustrating thing that can happen. You actually lose points and then lose 10 yards and then – that happens because of a of a call that was inaccurate. That's uh, very very painful. I was going to say actually the most frustrating call was a non call on the two point conversion where Witten got destroyed. So I mean it's it's it, yeah I mean I, to me I, I, I think that it. one's tough. I'm I'm such in the boat of let them play, man. I just think you should let them play. Like Prison the, rules. The Zeke the Zeke uh, play. Yeah, that was pass interference on Blake Cashman, the linebacker. Probably wouldn't have called it. You know. I wouldn't have called the block of the back on Gallup, you know. There, there, six of those calls, I'm thinking three of those could, didn't have to be flags. And that's where I think the whole thing, the short-term, the long-term fix, they got a long ways to go. They got a lot of crap to figure out. The short-term fix is just chill out with calling 20 flags a game. You're extending games. Okay. You're stopping down games. And here's chill the problem out with, that. with it. And here's the problem with that. The second that you direct a ref to chill out with calling flags, with throwing flags, he's going to purposely not call a penalty. Fine. The second that you tell them to do that. Fine. Is that good? Fine. See, it's it's an unsolvable problem. It's an unsolvable problem because if you go prison rules, well, then, you know, if you don't call anything, then it's going to be straight chaos. This is why. This you is call why. everything, then it's going to be straight chaos. You've got to find the happy medium and only call the penalties that impact the game. And if you have to stop the game to get it right, then do it. I think that's the closest you can get to getting it right. And that's why I always laughed at the idea of, well, you can't review pass interference because that's a judgment call. Bro, they're all judgment calls. All those guys are judges out on the field. It's all a judgment, every single yeah. part of it.
We didn't even get to the conspiracy. Maybe we'll do that at 11 o'clock. we got to get into some great audio from uh, KT's appearance on The Whip. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 